Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to the CBS Evening News ad-free right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. Do you ever wonder where all your money went? Like every single time you look at your bank account? Honestly, it's probably all those subscriptions. I felt that way too until I got Rocket Money. Rocket Money helped me see all the subscriptions I'm paying for, and it was eye-opening. Between streaming services, fitness apps, delivery services, it all adds up so quickly. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. That's rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Tonight we're following several breaking news stories. A CDC panel recommends boosters for teens. Plus what's happening in America's schools. Hundreds of thousands of kids are out of the classroom. The struggle for parents, teachers, and children. The post-holiday surge leads school districts nationwide to cancel in-person learning. Tonight, the union battle in the nation's third largest district. When our district was fully remote, our children suffered. And Omicron postpones music's biggest night, the Grammys, as cases surge nationwide. Philadelphia's deadliest fire in a century. 13 people killed, including seven children. This is, uh, without a doubt, one of the most tragic days in our city's history. Did a Christmas tree start the blaze? Winter weather from coast to coast. More than 82 million Americans under alerts. The unsolved mystery of January 6th, the hunt for the pipe bomber, as officials say extremism is on the rise. Plus, what President Biden will say about Donald Trump's role in the riot. Kim Jong-un's missile launch. North Korea claims it was a hypersonic missile. How far the weapon could go. The breaking news tonight, the world's number one tennis player kicked out of Australia. Why officials say the visa for Novak Djokovic was canceled. And the unlikely duo bridging the gap between two cities in the North and South. Our story tonight about unifying America. This is the CBS Evening News with Nora O'Donnell. Reporting from the nation's capital. Good evening and thank you for joining us. We're going to begin tonight with breaking news. A key CDC advisory panel is recommending COVID-19 boosters for younger teens. That means that nearly 5 million kids could be eligible for a third dose of the Pfizer shot 
as early as tomorrow. But for many parents, that booster couldn't come soon enough as the Omicron COVID surge is shattering records across the U.S. Cases are up in nearly every state. And the CDC said the seven-day average of daily cases is up 98% from the previous week. CBS's Manuel Bohorkas is in Miami, Florida, where cases have almost doubled in the last week. Good evening, Manny. Good evening, Nora. Across the country, demand for testing remains high. And here in Miami-Dade County, well, it now has the second highest rate of new infections in the nation as the virus continues to disrupt lives. Tonight, Omicron's impact continues to be felt nationwide. The upcoming Grammy Awards are now postponed indefinitely after organizers said there were too many risks. The awards were scheduled to air on CBS at the end of this month. Good morning, everyone. There's news out of the CDC today. Children ages 12 to 15 could be eligible as soon as tomorrow to receive a booster of the Pfizer vaccine if it's been five months after their second dose. The agency's advisor cited rising infections in teens and young adults and a troubling increase in pediatric hospitalizations for the recommendation. CDC surveillance data and other studies from around the world have demonstrated the benefit of a booster dose, including decreased risk of infection, severe disease and death. And as Omicron continues its record-setting pace, a new CDC forecast says cases and hospitalizations will likely increase in the coming weeks, with D.C., New Jersey, Florida, Georgia, New York, and Maryland seeing the highest rates. Infectious disease doctor Eileen Marty. Way too many people are not taking it seriously. New hospital admissions in Miami-Dade County are up 550% in just two weeks. So many of our people are sick, uh, not just the clinically facing staff, but even the support staff, the lab staff, etc. As the hospitals uh, get strained, uh, there is less opportunity to, to provide uh, all these resources to the one single patient. Patients like 26-year-old Jada Turnbull, who says doctors at the Cleveland Clinic outside Miami saved her life after a 42-day-long battle with COVID last year. You had a 10 to 15% chance of living? Yes. And here you are. What words do you have for the medical staff? Thank you. I cannot thank you guys enough. And we are also learning tonight the data on vaccinating children six months to four years old could be released as soon as the end of March. Nora? A lot of new headlines. Manny Borkas, thank you. We want to turn now to Chicago, the nation's third largest school district, where parents of more than 350,000 students are anxiously wondering if their children will be back in school tomorrow. At this hour, the teachers union and the city are negotiating new COVID-related health protocols after the teachers voted to return to remote learning due to the rise in cases last night. Well, Chicago's mayor called the teachers' action an illegal work stoppage. CBS's Charlie DeMar reports from Chicago. It was a late night jolt that ground the nation's third largest school district to a halt and sent parents scrambling to make alternate arrangements for their children. I'm not prepared. Uh, I did hear about it in the news, but I just kind of assumed that they will find some way around it. Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot canceled all classes, but threw parents a lifeline. She kept school doors open so children had a place to get their meals and stay if needed, but there would be no classwork, at least for the day. When our district was fully remote, our children suffered. There's no disputing that reality. 
We saw triple the amount of failures in elementary school uh, testing and learning. Triple. And that fell almost disproportionately on black and brown and poor kids across our district. With only 33% of children ages 5 to 17 fully vaccinated nationwide, new pediatric cases continue to rise, and schools across the country continue to struggle with balancing student and staff safety with making sure the learning continues. Of the five largest school districts, only Los Angeles requires a negative test before coming to class. The others are opting for social distancing and masking. This morning, New York City's new mayor, Eric Adams, insisted the only option for the nation's largest school district is keeping the classrooms open. The safest place for a child is in school. Little Johnny's not in school. He's not in his room. He's in the streets. You know, he doesn't have his mask on. Today in Philadelphia, nearly half of the public schools were forced to go virtual because of staff shortages due to the virus. Maya McGathey's two sons are now back to remote learning for the rest of the week. This is beyond deja vu. We should already know what to do and how to do it so no one feels like they're scrambling. Parents have arrangements. Children have food. The satellite centers are opened up and properly done. And tonight, the latest proposal is being reviewed by the Chicago's teacher, the Chicago Teachers Union, rather. And the aim is really to address their main concern, which is health and safety, as new COVID cases have reached a pandemic high here in Chicago. But parents, once again, left waiting to hear if a deal will be reached so kids can get back in the classroom. Nora. All right. Charlie DeMar, thank you. And we want to turn now to a heartbreaking story out of Philadelphia, where an early morning fire took the lives of at least 13 people, including seven children. Well, tonight, First Lady Jill Biden, who grew up outside Philadelphia, said her heart is with the families and loved ones of the victims. CBS's Nancy Chen with more on what may have caused the fire. We're getting multiple calls, reported people inside. The fire tore through this three-story row house, where it appears 26 people lived. Philadelphia's deputy fire chief said crews arrived around 6.40 this morning, shortly after the first calls came in. I've been around for 35 years now, and this is probably one of the worst fires I've ever been to. Dozens of firefighters battled the blaze for nearly an hour as the upstairs apartment was engulfed in flames. Eight people in the ground floor apartment were able to escape unharmed heard screams and again I don't know if it came from the building or from the streets. Tonight we're getting the first look at some of the 13 victims who died in the fire. Seven of them were children. The youngest just two years old. This is without a doubt one of the most tragic days in our city's history. Please keep all these folks and especially these children in your prayers. The Philadelphia Housing Authority, which owns the building, says smoke detectors in both apartments were inspected and operational as recently as last May, but none appear to be working overnight. We're in the process of investigating this to the highest level that we can. There are reports a Christmas tree may have fueled this fire. Fire marshals and federal officials with the ATF are still investigating the exact cause, Nora. Nancy Chen, thank you. 
Well, tonight, forecasters are tracking, tracking dangerous weather, winter weather from coast to coast. More than a dozen vehicles, including a tractor trailer, piled up today on an icy highway in western Michigan. There were no serious injuries. That same system dumped heavy snow across the western mountains and northern plains. Well, the next major threat, it's coming Friday, with millions in the east bracing for several inches of snow from Tennessee to Washington, D.C. to Boston. Some areas could get half a foot. All right, here in Washington one year ago tonight, political tensions were on the verge of exploding as lawmakers prepared for a final count of the electoral college votes, confirming that Joe Biden won the presidency. Well, tomorrow, President Biden will address the nation to mark one year since the deadly attack on the Capitol. And we're learning more about what he's going to say, and CBS's Nancy Cordes is at the White House. Good evening, Nancy. Good evening, Nora. You know, that attack one year ago changed Washington possibly forever. And tomorrow, in a speech at the Capitol, President Biden is going to lay the blame for that attack squarely at the feet of his predecessor. According to White House officials, President Biden will lay out the, quote, singular responsibility President Trump has for the chaos and carnage that we saw one year ago. They tell us he will also call out Mr. Trump for misleading his supporters to this day about who won the election. White House officials say lies like that don't just rile people up, as we saw one year ago, but they also, they argue, pose an ongoing threat to the nation's democratic system. Nora? Nancy Cordes, thank you. And as we mark the anniversary of the attack, the investigation into who carried out the assault is ongoing. In the last year, more than 725 defendants have been arrested for taking part in the insurrection on the Capitol, and authorities continue to hunt down the suspects. We get more now from CBS's Jeff Pegues. Last January 5th, this hooded and masked person roamed Capitol Hill, planning bombs near the Democratic and Republican National Committee headquarters. A year later, still no arrest. Correct. The bombs were disabled before they exploded. But Steve Dentuano, the FBI's lead agent in Washington, says that they were made to be lethal. Were these devices viable? Oh, absolutely. They were definitely viable. Absolutely. Absolutely. They, were, they could have exploded. So they, they could have killed people. No, they, they could have done serious physical injury or death. To identify the bomber, investigators have conducted over 900 interviews and scoured 39,000 video files. They've tracked much of the bomber's route, just blocks from the U.S. Capitol. We believe the individual could have been operating out of this park or the vicinity of this park. The FBI is still asking for the public's help. Why has it been so difficult tracking this person down? The individual was covered from head to toe. Hoodie on, glasses, mask, um, gloves. Do you know if this is a man or a woman? We do not know that. That attack on the Capitol itself has resulted in more than 725 arrests, 225 people for assaulting, resisting, or impeding officers, and over 75 people for using a deadly or dangerous weapon. But the FBI is still looking for 250 people believed to have committed acts of violence that day. Today, Attorney General Merrick Garland marked the anniversary of the attack. The Justice Department remains committed to holding all January 6 perpetrators at any level accountable under law. This is where it happened. It is. It's one of the locations where the entry was made into the building. 
Tom O'Connor, a former FBI counterterrorism agent, says anti-government anger remains a major concern. January 6th was the wake-up call. Do you think with all of these arrests, do you think the problem goes away? Not at all. We have to say there's more potential for violence out there. I mean, anybody who says that there isn't and that this has gone away is living in a, a dream world. A recent law enforcement bulletin says that there are no specific nor credible threats to the Capitol tomorrow. Last year, there were numerous intelligence and law enforcement failures leading up to the attack. Laura. Jeff Begays, thank you very much. Well, tonight, the U.S. State Department is condemning North Korea for test launching what the U.S. says was a ballistic missile. U.S. officials say the provocation violated multiple U.N. resolutions and threatened North Korea's neighbors. We get more now from CBS's Elizabeth Palmer. North Korea says it was a hypersonic missile, the second time they've launched one. It took off from an area near the country's border with China, flew over 300 miles, and landed in the sea. And it's the latest in a whole flurry of tests, overseen by the country's leader, Kim Jong-un, including a missile hidden in and launched from a train. And last January, what appeared to be a submarine-launched model literally paraded through the streets of Pyongyang. In video released by state media, Kim Jong-un said in his New Year's speech that the country's defense capability had to be bolstered due to what he called the unstable international situation. It's not exactly clear what he meant, but North Korea resents both the U.S.'s joint exercises with South Korea's military and punishing sanctions. In South Korea, President Moon Jae-in reacted to the launch diplomatically. At the opening of a railway he hopes will one day unite the North and the South, he said there was still hope for dialogue. But at the moment, North Korea's actions are speaking much louder than its words. Elizabeth Palmer, CBS News. We have this correction from last night's broadcast. In our story on the Elizabeth Holmes trial, we erroneously reported that Colin Powell was an investor and board member of Theranos. That is incorrect. Mr. Powell was not a board member and was not part of the organization. We regret the error. It's three o'clock somewhere. Time for a My Mochi ice cream snack. My Mochi ice cream is cool, creamy scoops of premium ice cream wrapped in sweet, pillowy dough. And get this, all of My Mochi's fabulous flavors like strawberry, mango, double chocolate, and cookies and cream are only around 80 calories per piece. Talk about a guilt-free, indulgent experience. Each box of My Mochi ice cream has six perfectly portioned, gluten-free mochis that are great for grab-and-go. So feel good while curbing your afternoon cravings or the midnight munchies. Yeah, you know who you are with the joyfully chill sensation of My Mochi ice cream. Find My Mochi ice cream at Target or visit MyMochi.com to locate a grocery store near you. Well, tonight, some big news. The top tennis player in the world was told to leave Australia over his vaccination status. Novak Djokovic was forced to stay in the Melbourne Albert Airport for 12 hours. He was hoping to play in the Australian Open, which begins later this month. 
Djokovic is opposed to vaccinations. He was granted an exemption by tournament officials, but Australia's prime minister says Djokovic's visa was canceled, and he said no one is above his country's COVID rules. All right, Louisiana's governor today issued a pardon for Homer Plessy, the black man whose arrest for refusing to leave a whites-only railroad car led to the Supreme Court ruling that cemented separate but equal into U.S. law for half a century. 126 years after that ruling, Governor John Bell Edwards said he was beyond grateful to help restore Plessy's legacy. And tonight, we want to highlight an act of kindness during that epic traffic jam on the I-95 in Virginia the other day. A couple trapped in their car called the owner of a bread truck that was also stuck on the highway asking for food. Well, the bakery owner instructed the driver to give away all of the bread and rolls that he was shipping. The couple went car to car delivering and breaking bread with others stranded in the storm. Isn't that nice? In a time when this nation can seem so divided, two people from two very different parts of the country show us there is far more that unites us. Here's CBS's Janet Shamlian. Alabama's Tuskegee News has never had a journalist like Amy Miller. For one thing, Amy lives more than a thousand miles from Tuskegee. Hey, Guy, how you doing? Hey. And journalist Guy Trammell, with whom she shares a twice-monthly column. When you're sharing the stories, you're actually getting to know each other. I had had this idea anyway um, about doing a column from a white perspective and trying to match it with somebody doing it from a black perspective. Color Us Connected also runs in the newspaper covering Amy's community, South Berwick, Maine. Her idea, after the mostly white New England town, became sister cities with the predominantly black southern city. Tuskegee welcomed South Berwick residents to visit as part of the exchange. Hospitality returned in Maine. What has this relationship meant to you? This is one opportunity to actually bring people together. Instead of a divided states, we're the United States. There's no politics in the columns. Guy and Amy simply share a slice of life from their perspective. A black man in the South, a white woman in the North. So now we feel like we're walking together towards the progress we want to make in this country. Once you move from communication to relationships, something real can take place, and that's what's happened here. Two communities finding common ground. Janet Shamlian, CBS News, Tuskegee, Alabama. Tomorrow, we will report live from Capitol Hill to mark the one-year anniversary of the January 6th attack. We will have new reporting on what's changed and where the country is headed. I'm Nora O'Donnell in the nation's capital. We'll see you tomorrow. Good night. If you like the CBS Evening News, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at Wondery.com survey. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.